Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Good morning, crypto. Good morning, warriors. Hello and welcome back to another episode of your favorite crypto news channel, Good Morning Crypto where we bring you the most relevant and impactful crypto-related topics from a top crypto research team in the world. I'm your host, Abs, joined by several members of our 3T family this morning. We got the Italian stallion, Mr. Johnny Crypto. And today we have two very special guests. So we are breaking records on Good Morning Crypto once again with Mark. We've got Mark Yusko and Gary Cardone joining the show. And for the sake of today, we're going to get right into this thing because we've got a ton of exciting news prepared. We're going to start this thing off the same way we always do by showing you the Good Morning Crypto Twitter account. That is at 3TGM Crypto on Twitter. Go smash that follow button for updates all throughout the day. When we check out some of our daily movers, we are getting a nice rebound in the market this morning. At the rest of the market, it's up about 5%. and Bitcoin, it's up 2% on the daily. When we check out our Merlin market update this morning, we are sitting at $1.55 trillion in total market cap. Bitcoin is 50% dominance. Ethereum is about 17%. We've got Bitcoin sitting at $40,080. Ethereum is $22.38. Solana is trading at $87. And XRP is trading at $0.51 cents this morning. And guys, we already got 180 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And Mark, I wanted to start off today's episode with the grayscale news that we have. We've heard massive reports every day, 500 million in dumping. But maybe you can provide some clarity here because we addressed it a little bit yesterday. They're converting a futures product into a spot product. So short-term dumping, long-term, they're hodling just like everyone else. First of all, how are you feeling? And maybe you can provide some clarity on what's going on. Yeah, well, yes and no. So, so they are definitely converting but but more importantly look gbdc is losing assets and and that's fine they're just going to blackrock fidelity bitwise and you know you've got this this great chart you know the the live feed the reality is look gbtc was a monopoly right they were the only trust structure that was allowed to be held in in brokerage accounts so they had a, a five-year head start. They raised, you know, a nice amount of capital. That capital went up a lot, went down a lot, and then recovered $25 billion, uh, 620,000 Bitcoin. They had to make a choice, go with the fee war in the ETFs when they converted from a trust to an ETF, or realizing that people came in at much lower prices. The average person came in at a much lower price. If it's in a taxable account, you're not going to sell and take the tax hit to save 100 basis points or 120 basis points. You're just not. If you're in a tax-exempt account, an IRA, it's gone. And that's what we're seeing. All the tax-exempt money is leaving. It's going to Fidelity or BlackRock. If you want to get sinister about it, DCG probably with all of their asset liability challenges 
might not be long for this world and maybe it's a backdoor uh, buyout, so to speak, by, by BlackRock. But that's an, another conversation for another day. But they are selling, but it's getting hoovered right back up by uh, the ETS. What happened in the last you know, 10 days that everyone's freaking out about, you know, 47,000 down to 38,000 really has nothing to do with GBTC selling. It has nothing to do with, you know, people freaking out. It's just simple supply demand dynamics. You have the normal selling that goes on this time of year, every year with Lunar New Year coming up. So Chinese sell a bunch to fill up the red envelopes with money. That's normal. But then we have another one that happens right before tax time in the U.S. The second thing is you had the uh, liquidation of the FTX billion dollars of GBTC. So that, that got liquidated. And then you have, unfortunately, uh, a little not talked about thing that happened on the same day as the approval of the new ETFs was the launch of a new set of futures contracts at the CBOE. And guess what? The big banks, and we'll talk about Mr. Diamond here in a little bit, they like to short naked, right? And um, they can do that in the futures market. And so this spoofing where they're naked shorting against the ETF long is how the gold price has been manipulated for a very long time. So we're just working out the kinks of of a bunch of new um, uh, facilities for people to buy and sell. Gary, we are going to transition this into a tokenization conversation later in the episode. But when we focus on Bitcoin over these last couple of months, this is what people, it, it really never fails me, the perspective of the average retail investor. Because in the last 12 months, many people have called us a bear market. Bitcoin went from $15,000 in November of 2022 to just below $50,000 in December of 2023. So in 12 months, we did a 3X, and there's a lot of pessimism in the market when it comes to Bitcoin, stating, are we going to 100,000? Are most of the gains behind us? We've got a couple things on the horizon. I want to get your perspective on this. First of all, we've got the spot products launched in the USA. We've got companies like Fidelity, 21 Shares, which is BlackRock. Big, big players are entering this market, but we've got the halving occurring in April, which means that every day there are 900 Bitcoin mined globally. That number starting on April 17th or April 21st, whatever it is, is going to shrink to 450 Bitcoin globally. That's a simple game of supply and demand. You don't have to go to college for this stuff. When the supply is dropped by 50% and the same amount of miners are operating in the market, there is going to be newfound demand as well as these players accumulating over time. So what's your perspective overall? Do you think this is just short-term pullback like Mark said, or what's your outlook on Bitcoin with all these narratives aligning? Well, yeah, I mean, I think... Uh... If this wasn't a, the, the fundamental uh, thesis for Bitcoin wasn't supply and demand, I wouldn't be here. Like, like sooner or later, supply and demand always, always kicks in. So I agree with Mark. Look, they're trading the shit out of this thing. They understand that most of the people that have been in this space, I would say a good 25% are totally just want to be day traders and they're going to get smashed. I mean, they're going to get liquidated, I believe. Uh, looks like I'm freezing up here. Uh, but yep, that's okay. Uh, I'm just washing out the, uh, the weak hands here, guys. I, I think that's all this is about. 
And there's a lot of exciting narratives, Johnny Crypto, but while Gary fixes his audio, your audio was perfectly clear there, Gary, so I don't know if the camera was just glitching. But Johnny, look at the Bitcoin price chart before we move on and talk about Larry Fink and Jack Myers and all these other characters. Bitcoin in and of itself is doing something very optimistic in a long-term time frame. We just exited a bear market in 2022, and even in 2023, with all the negative narratives, all the suppression, we just came out of the FTX collapse. We still managed to do a 3x, and now there's all of this demand entering the market right now. You just give me your perspective, and then we'll move on to some interesting conversations. Yeah, I will do. I was first thing. I had to double check the calendar to make sure today was a Wednesday because we're used to seeing our man Mark wearing some pink. And Mark, I know you're sporting some pink. If you want to show the world what you're wearing, let's see. We got the Bitcoin socks on today. But uh, you know, hopping into the Bitcoin argument, I think Gary actually touched on something so important. We talked about this last night on the Merlin's base. There's a lot of people that think Bitcoin's dead. It's over. It's finito. It says that it's been controlled by the elites now, and it's going to be manipulated. But Gary touched on something I think so important, which is there is going to be a supply shock uh, that's going to happen. And you're going to have, I, and, you know, I'm glad we have you guys on today because I'm really going to kick it to you guys. My thinking is this. Now that we have some legitimization for the first time ever to Bitcoin, you're finally going to have institutions and a bunch of financial advisors going to pick up the phone. They're going to call all their boomers and they're going to say, hey, you know, come and invest into this space now. And you're going to have all this money, 401k money, boomer money coming into it. And we have a halving coming soon that is only going to be 450 coins available daily. To me, that's the perfect storm of a supply shock that's going to drive this thing up. But what the hell do I know? I'm an engineer. So I'm curious, Mark and and you know, Mark and, and Gary, what are your guys take it? Are we? Yeah, right look, it, it is just math, Johnny. It, it's, it's just math. math. So, man, right? And and look, it, it is it is wear pink Wednesday. I wear pink every Wednesday for for brain tumor awareness. But it's so cold <laughs> here today. I had to put on the hoodie. So I got, I got pink on where I can't show it on air. Uh, I get in trouble at the FCC. But um, the the reality is this: um, there's two shocks going on. Right. There's a demand. Mark, Mark would that be called a naked short? A naked yeah. short. There we go. Naked there short. We go. There naked we go. Shorts. A naked pink short. Pink shorts. Um, so look, there's a there's a demand shock going on. So you got aggregate demand, aggregate supply, and we're shifting the demand curve up. Why? Well, thirty trillion dollars controlled by advisors just got unlocked, but it didn't because Vanguard, UBS, and Merrill, Bank of America said, no, 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 you're not allowed to buy it. Isn't that my money? Aren't, aren't those my assets in your brokerage account? So I hope everybody flees Vanguard and UBS and Merrill because that's stupid. It's it's our money, but you're telling me I can't, can't buy this. So it's not going to happen overnight. And let's say that a year from now, those models, UBS, Merrill model, says 1%. Forget, I mean, let, let's say you do 10 basis points, 20 basis points. We're talking 30 to $60 billion of demand. So if you shift the aggregate demand curve, P1, okay, where price and demand, supply and demand intersect is higher than P2, P0. P1 goes up, price go up. Then you got a supply shock. And the supply shock is really simple. If you cut the block rewards in half, which to me was one of the great engineering coding ideas really ever. And that's a big statement, but, but here's what it is. And we've talked about this before and 
you know, it's it's a little bit sexist, but you know, what is what is. Um, here's the thing. You you cut the block rewards in half. So what happens? Unless price goes up, half the miners would be out of business because their costs are fixed. So the price starts to rise. Well, as the price rises, us guys, we have hunter in our genes, right? If someone walked by my office, I would, I would look. If, if it's moving, we like it. If it ain't moving, we can't see it. I've told you the ketchup thing. My wife says, get the ketchup. I open the door. Honey, there's no ketchup. It ain't moving. I can't see it. So since most of the traders happen to be guys, price starts to go up, the traders, they start buying it. And that creates number go up. And so the fair value basically doubles. So we've got fair value of Bitcoin today, about 50. We end up about 100. Now, that's in a world with no transaction fees. Now, transaction fees are rising because of inscriptions and ordinals. So maybe we don't go from 50 to 100, but let's say we go from 50 to 80 for fair value. And Tim Peterson has this great Metcalf's Law model that, that can give you that number. Well, at 40, we're well below 80. So number is going to start to rise toward 80. But then what's going to happen is you're going to get this demand shock on top of the original demand shock, which is the FOMO, right? The traders are going to come in. They're going to say numbers move in. And then the speculators and the gamblers come in. Then they start levering up. And so in every crypto fall, right, we're in crypto summer right now. Crypto fall starts in June. In that June to June period, following the halving, we get these parabolic, stupid rallies. And we go on average to 2.3 times fair value. So last time fair value was 30, we got to 69. This time, I don't think we go to 2.3. I think we probably don't get as much leverage in the system. So let's say we go to, let's be conservative, go one and a half. If fair value is 80, we go to 130. <clears throat> 150, somewhere in that range, that that's going to happen. And when it does, the FOMO will draw in a lot of weak hands. And then ultimately the bubble will pop and we'll, we'll have another bear market. But that's, you know, a year from now. Mark, can I just get really quickly some thoughts on Davos? I know that that was a conversation I hadn't planned in the prep, but this is just coming to mind right now. A lot of the conversations in Davos were centered around cryptocurrencies in general, whether it was central bank digital currencies, tokenized assets, green initiatives. It seems like crypto is finding its way into all of these conversations. So more broadly, I just wanted to get some of your thoughts about what stuck out to you and some of the people who were very outspoken during that event. Well, look, and you know, this is a an XRP friendly audience. Yep. So you guys know how I feel about this. Um, the WEF crowd, the Davos crowd, they control the BIS, the largest bank in the world, the Bank of International Settlements. Why does that matter? Well, the Bank of International Settlements is the toolkit. It's the bank for the banks, the bank for the central banks. That's how that group and a small number of families have controlled pretty much everything in the world for a very long time. Mm. And make a short, a long story short, that group, has decided, I think, to partner with XRP slash Stellar and 
that's what they want to use. Now, that's what they want to use to make CBDCs, which to me are evil incarnate, right? CBDCs are the worst possible thing you could ever have, but that's what they want to do. And if yeah. you've ever watched Augustin Karstens, right, the head of the BIS, I used to call him Jabba the Hutt, but actually he looks more like Kingpin. I mean, he's this gigantic guy and he talks about, well, of course we should control how you spend your money if you spend your money. So I'm actually not a big fan of that model. I'm not a big fan of that crowd. I'm not a fan of Klaus at all. And it's, yeah, this guy, Augustin. I mean, it's not a coincidence, guys, that the WEF was founded, incorporated in 1971. It's Same not year. a coincidence. We went off the gold standard in 1971. It's not a coincidence that mm -hmm. Bill Gates' aunt is a WEF member. It's not a coincidence Right. The Garling House was over there for the meetings. None of those things are coincidences. So. OK, I'm going to here's a couple of interesting things, Mark, and I do want to kick it over to Gary because, Gary, I'd ah. like to get some of your thoughts. <laughs> I, I can kick it right back to you, Mark, actually, because a couple of narratives that are going on here and it's very important. Uh, first of all, thank you for providing the perspective as an XRP investor. I've been here five years. Right. One of the things that's more clear than ever right now is the frustration in the XRP community. We're watching projects like Bitcoin have spot ETF approved. We're watching regulatory clarity be pushed forward for Ethereum. We're seeing Solana do a 5X in a four-month period. And we're sitting here wondering, well, I thought we had the best technology. I thought we had the best partnerships and the most unique advantages here. So I do want to hear the contrary side where, do you agree with this narrative? If you can't beat them, join them. And maybe that's what we're going through in the XRP community because I don't agree with the idea of a central bank digital currency. I never want to see it in the United States. But I'm 25 yeah. years old. One of the things that I look at over the next five or six years is we're seeing 30 countries right now, 30 central banks currently work with Ripple to develop these technologies. And if I have a bad opinion, I'm just in my house down here in Florida. Nobody cares what I really think. Right. I got this small platform here and that's about it. So my whole thing is, how can I maximize? I'm not in the preservation of wealth game yet. I'm trying to maximize yep. my wealth over the next five years. And that's why I was drawn to XRP, because if their vision is proven correct, that seems to be a project that has the largest upside. Do you have a response to that? Maybe you can provide some, some clarity there. It, it, goes to, it goes to tokens and networks, right? I mean, let's take Bitcoin first. So there's, there's big B Bitcoin, the token, and there's little b Bitcoin, the network. Little b Bitcoin is today the most powerful computing network in the history of mankind. And look, I'm prone to hyperbole, right? But that's not hyperbole. It's actually 1,500 times more powerful than the CERN supercomputer, right? Thousands of nodes around the world, all connected, running the same software. It's a supercomputer. That network, okay, today isn't really used for all the things that it will be used for in the future. Like, I, I believe there's a, there's a case that that network could, could be the settlement layer for every asset in the world. Doesn't mean it will, but it could. XRP, okay, so we got XRP, you know, the token, and we got the, the you know, Ripple slash in the XRP ledger, the, 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 the network. The challenge is, yes, that ledger could be used by BIS and the central banks, and they could replace SWIFT, but will any of that value 
from the integration of that software accrue to the network holders. And the difference between XRP, capital X, and Bitcoin Big B is Bitcoin Big B, because of its scarcity and because of its distribution, has found a place as digital gold that Ethereum, Solana, et cetera, haven't. That doesn't mean they couldn't, but technology works in a funny way. It's not the best technology that wins. It's the technology that reaches critical mass first. It's called the law of increasing returns. And so lots of examples of that from Betamax and VHS, et cetera. So anyway, but I mean, Gary, what's your, what's your thought on XRP in terms of, of the, the technology that, that is being talked about in banking circles versus other tokens out there? Uh, look, their connections alone to the major institutions, I think is impressive, but the, the price has been horrific. I mean, you just cannot, you look at the chart and you go, look, I just, and I own some of this because of the network play with the major institutions. I don't own a lot of it. I mean, like, I'm not going to go broke if it goes to zero. Uh, but my only response is, look, the chart says this is a dog right now. Now, I, like, I've got better things to do than try to pick the biggest dog in the race that might make it through the fence. Um, Cause I'm like, I'm not speculating with this stuff. I'm trying to put on three to 10 year positions that uh, are, you know, really legacy or life changing events for hopefully this industry. Like I would like to take some of these returns and reinvest them in this industry and make it stronger. So this whole concept of selling, never selling anything, I don't know how we're going to actually expand this industry if we're never going to sell it and reinvest. Um, Cause I, I actually would like to have, uh, you know, two or 3 billion people with Bitcoin or whatever uh, yeah. in their pockets. And that would be a much bigger and better universe than the small little population we have. Look, we've done a great job of getting this crypto industry where it is today but it's getting ready to move to next level. And, and that means it's got to jettison some of this baggage, uh, some of the, you know, it's just got to go to the next level, more professional. So I don't think I'm answering the ripple question. I just don't understand why the price is just doing what it's doing. It's just sitting there. There must be some issues. Well, um, it's, it's, the, it's the, the lack of adoption and fee sharing yet. It, again, doesn't mean that it won't happen. And to, I think the big point here is the, <clears throat> the target market, okay? The Bank of International Settlements, you know, global central banks, uh, large money center banks around the world, it's a gigantic market. Yep. But here's, here's, the di here's the dilemma that I see. And the reason I, I, I'm not a big owner and big believer in XRP, but it doesn't mean it can't change. It doesn't mean I won't change my mind. But the reason so far is if we think about centralization versus decentralization, right? The whole idea of, of digital assets is to move us eventually 
towards decentralization. Now, we're not going to go there overnight, right? The banks have had a good 838-year run since the Medici's founded, I mean, the Rothschilds founded the first central bank. And, um, well, the Medici's found the first bank, and then the, the Rothschilds created the first central bank. Those guys really like the position they're in, right? Central banks control everything, the BIS, that, and, and it really makes the pyramid, right? The all-seeing eye at the top, and then there's BIS, and then there's the major central banks, then there's the money center banks, and then there's all the rest of us. And they love that. And so if I'm a technology and I want to replace 90, okay, telex, which is a banking process that you know, allows you to transfer money, and SWIFT, okay, that's a 90-year-old technology and a 70-year-old technology. Those need to go away, right? We can't use fax machines and paper to move hundreds of millions of dollars around the world like we do today using SWIFT. Like literally you print out a fax and sometimes they get lost and bad things happen. So that's got to go away. So I get, um, I get why you want a new technology. And I think the idea behind XRP potentially being that is fine. But here's the problem. That would be the, the technology system for the centralized fiat system. There's a whole movement of Bitcoiners, less so Ethereum and, and the rest, but Bitcoiners for sure want to go completely decentralized and want to have a monetary system that isn't reliant on that you know, pyramid starting with the BIS. So you have to choose your partners and you have to choose where you want to make an impact. Now, look, if every bank in the world adopted the XRP ledger and we no longer use Telex and Swift and we only used XRP and there was a sharing of the fees to token holders, it could be worth a lot of money. That doesn't mean it still wouldn't be at odds with the Bitcoiners who want to go pure decentralization. But that, that would be an so, interesting environment. Mark, so I wrote down a couple of bullet points here. Re so what are your thoughts on Bitcoin becoming centralized with these spot ETF products? Really briefly, before I go into the XRP part of what you address, this is a big narrative that I've seen. It's interesting because I came into the space as a Bitcoin guy. I entered this space as a Bitcoin investor. I bought it at 9K. I sold it at 55. I was, I was called dumb. I moved that into Ethereum and XRP. And that's kind of how my whole journey started, right? But yep. when I look at when I look at what's happening with Bitcoin in particular, it's that the main narrative driving this currency is get self-sovereignty, get control of your own assets, have something that can't be taken away. And and we look at the Canada truckers for reference. Like that's a big narrative happening now. But do you worry about the centralization of Bitcoin happening through these spot products? I don't think that's a narrative that's being talked about enough. Again, important point. And yes. But no. So here's why. So yes, you're 100% correct. Owning Bitcoin through a centralized entity, Coinbase, Gemini, ETF wrapper, you are in, in you know, to the maxis, right? You're antithetical to what Bitcoin is supposed to be. Bitcoin is supposed to be on your, you know, ledger or on your, you know, cold wallet. 
and you're supposed to have it and, you know, pry it from my cold, dead hands, right? Okay. Decentralization, superior. I agree. But here's the thing. The technology is not perfect yet. And meaning in the sense, it is perfect in that it works, but it's complex. And there are people that lose their keys. They forget their password. I mean, stuff happens. So we're not going to go from TradFi, where everything's centralized and everything's run by big banks, to DeFi overnight. We're going to have a CeFi type. And that's what's been happening. Coinbase, Cash App, Strike, Jack Maulers, right? CeFi. Eventually, everyone's going to be DeFi. You, 25, 30, 40, great. My dad, 85, never going to hold his keys. Not ever. I'm not going to hold his keys because if I lose them, then I'm you know in trouble. So he's going to have Coinbase. He's going to be centralized. I had lunch with a friend, I had breakfast with a friend of mine today. He's like, hey, should I just buy the ETF? Yes, you should. 65-year-old guy, you should just buy the ETF because I don't want to explain to you how to get a ledger and how to, you know, yeah, save your, your seed phrase. So yes, but but it doesn't centralize the system. Everyone say, oh, like Max Kaiser. Well, they're going to seize all those Bitcoin. Oh, okay. So let's say that this happens. Let's say that the ETFs gather 25% of all the Bitcoins. It's possible. Let's say that happens. They get 25% of all the Bitcoins. And Ms. Warren gets a law passed that we, the government, through eminent domain, is going to seize them in, in the you know, in, in issue of national security. Illegal, but okay, fine. She gets it done. What happens? Is suddenly Bitcoin out of business? Suddenly, is it oh No, it's better. That 25% gets lost or stolen. The other 75% rises in value. Satoshi said at the very beginning, he said, yes, coins will be lost, coins will be stolen, Consider it a contribution to the network. And so as long as there's one Bitcoin, which can be divided into 100 million Satoshis, as long as there's one left, it exists because it's infinitely divisible. And I feel sorry for Samantha Dulac. I mean, she's actually a very nice lady. But, you know, she made the comment about, well, I don't understand if, if it can be divided into Satoshis, then you, you can have unlimited supply. And, you know, the pizza, like you can cut the pizza into a thousand, you know, gazillion pieces and feed the world. <laughs> no, but everyone's going to eat a crumb. That's that's what happens in the math, end. Mark. Math is hard. Math is hard <laughs> for some of us. Hey, Gary, hey, let me kick it to Gary really quick, because yeah. I feel like it's been a while since we got some input. I want to hear your thoughts, Gary. I have some specific questions, but more broadly, what would you take away from Mark's statements? I think he's absolutely right about self-custody. Um I don't know what the metrics are on how many people self-custody goal, but I suspect that Bitcoin will be less than that. And I actually self-custody silver and gold. A uh, little more challenging to walk in. Not in your house, still. not in his house. So don't go to his house. He doesn't have them at his no, house. Well, no, they, they can come to my house, but they won't. They won't like what they see. So. It's like Johnny says, the most important, the most important metal to carry is lead. Right, Gary? Yeah. Um, lead. There you go. But think there about this. Give all right? the free lead away. No price, as much of it as you want. Yeah. But think about this, right? 27,000 ounces of silver it is not like easy to break into a home and take. Hmm. I mean, I got cameras all over the place. So by the time they take all this stuff, 
like the sheriff's department is going to be all over them. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think if we go back to self custody on gold and silver, uh, what is that, Mark? Maybe three or four percent. Right. I think exactly. that's what the wallet's exactly. going to be. Okay. Like the future, I, I, you know, I don't mean to make the macro guys or the, the, the maxis really upset, but uh, you're not going to store $50 million on a fucking wallet, guys. That's, that's probably going to change in the next 10 years. We won't even, we will laugh at the wallets we have today. Absolutely laugh. And like I technologically am not sophisticated enough to look at one of these ledgers and go, am I sure there's not a bug in it? Like, I would rather be able to sue a major bank, okay? Like, the ETFs are going to suck this stuff up. And, like, the self-custody for me, I got it. Mad Max, uh, you know, I'll take maybe half a million dollars, stick it on, you know, uh, to be able to self-custody. But, like, you start talking about $100 million. What happens if I go into a coma? Mm. What happens if... uh, And somebody walks into my house, guys, and sticks a gun in my daughter's throat and says, hey, dude, I need the seed phrases right now. I'm going to surrender. I will surrender this second. Okay, that is so much risk. Um, Even the conversations that go on on Twitter spaces to even have the conversation about how we're storing to me shows how little people really understand about security. Or they're holding so little Bitcoin on these wallets that they're not like Mark and I. I'm sorry, but I want to go all in on this project, but I can't just carry it around uh, and expose myself and my family to extreme risk. Okay, because if if I have nothing, I'm going to go smash Gary's Range Rover open, stick a stick a gun in his face, and let's see I, if I can that, grab some. And that's been true since the beginning of time. Yeah. I, I get in little debates, shall we say. Um, I ask people when I'm on a space all the time. It's a you know, maxi space. And I'll say, okay, I hear you. You, you all want to self-custody everything. Fine. How many people on this space have a bank account? That's not the same thing. Not, I, no, answer my question. Do you have a bank account? Well, yeah. And how much of your net worth is in the bank account or in a brokerage account? versus how much is in in bitcoin and, you know you got some people to I have 100 percent of my net worth in bitcoin infinitesimally small number most people have a very small amount most of the money's still in fiat because you can't pay your rent in bitcoin you can't the bitcoin the fiat world at least for now still gonna exist governments aren't going to give it up overnight now is there a path that we get to like, is there a, is there a future where instead of me carrying around an iPhone, I carry around an HSM, a hardware security module that actually doesn't have a bug to Gary's point that I actually trust to be secure where the Bitcoin isn't there. It's someplace else where this is a linkage to it. But for the same reason that if you go back to watch Western movies, right? How did people, make money. They robbed the stagecoach, which was transferring the gold from one place to another, or they broke into the bank and robbed the vault. You know, they blew up the vault or they robbed people's house and and robbed the wall safe. And here's the thing. How much money has been stolen from the Federal Reserve? Zero dollars. How much money 
has been stolen from Bank of America's New York branch. Zero dollars. How much money has been stolen from Bank of America's El Paso, Texas branch? More than zero dollars. How much money has been stolen from wall safes? And I don't have one behind that, but if I did, how much money has been stolen from wall safes? More than zero dollars. How much money has been lost or stolen from your wallet or purse? Lots. So you're never going to take all your money on your wallet, right? Nobody would do that. I don't walk around with Saxo cash, right? I have a little bit. In fact, I don't Mark, even care Mark, any, look, little, let care me, any money. Let me ask you a question, Mark. How many, you know, you're, you've been in the markets for a long time. How many times have you lost money with a bank? Like how many times have you gotten rugged from a major bank from your reserves? Because I think we go a little too far. Are they destroying the value of the U.S. dollar because they have a fiat system that basically is built on printing money? That, yeah. that does not correlate with someone stealing money from me. I mean, so far, Greece has not happened here. It happened right. in the gold market in the 70s. Okay, they confiscated and they set the price. I haven't lost any money with these major banks. Um, and 100%, the bigger they get, 100%. you yeah, have not had right? a Cyprus, right? Where you walk in and you get 25 cents on the dollar. I haven't had that happen yet. Now, I didn't have money in La Jolla Savings. People did lose money, right? Yeah. Real people lost real money because if you had more than a million two at La Jolla Savings, you actually lost money because you only got a million two insured. But you're right. The average person has not lost money because our fiat system has been okay. Because we can now we've all lost money to the printing. Oh, well, that's but that's a different issue. Okay. That yeah. that to me is a very different issue that Bitcoin hopefully will solve. But even the Celsius and the FTX is most of these people are recovering large pieces of their money. So you would not do that if you would lost that money in a wallet. Why? Because you don't have any liquidation or legal rights. You have no one to fight. And I think we're really grossly underestimating $30 billion. Fidelity runs 10 trillion. BlackRock runs 10 trillion. If we get 1% of that, I mean, you're talking about a million coins that need to be acquired. Okay. <laughs> yeah. A million yeah. coins. Okay. Yeah. 400,000 families need to deploy two and a half million dollars of fresh capital, not from their old bonds and equity. This is a Michael Saylor. I really admire the guy, but I don't think we're stealing from anyone. I think you have max in a deployment of capital into almost every asset stack except Bitcoin. And this is going to be new money from super rich people that deploy at least two and a half million dollars. No family is going to take a K-1 and go through all this bullshit for less than two and a half million dollars. That is 30 fucking million Bitcoin. Okay, 406,000 ultra, ultra wealthy families, 50 million or more. For them to make a one-time $2.5 million deployment, it, it's just very one time in their entire right. life. They make one right. deployment, yep. right? Mark, what, what does a normal family office put into play on any of your deals? I mean, they're not doing $10,000, right? Correct. Yeah. No, it, it's, it's measured in millions. And $2.5 million to, to a, a family office is pocket change, literally. And ultimately, 
that's where this starts, right? That's why I say, you know, Bitcoin started as digital gold. Most people don't own any gold, right? Most people don't own it. But the wealthier you are, the more likely you are to own some. But even the super rich don't own 50% in gold. Even Peter freaking Schiff doesn't have 50% of his net worth in gold. He just doesn't. So you got a few. And, and the difference is, I, I talk about this all the time, although I, I forgot my wallet today, so I can't show it. But I, I use a prop. My granddaughter, right, who's one, will never have a leather wallet. She'll never have it. She'll never use paper money. She won't even know what paper money is. She will have a digital wallet. She'll use digital money. Okay. That is the future. And to have a portion in an asset that protects the rest of your assets from the fiat theft that's occurring every day, every day, right? They are taking our money from us by devaluing it. And that is their only choice, right? We owe $34 trillion with a T, $34 trillion. It's not, you can't pay it back. You can't restructure it. You can't default on it. So your only way out is to devalue it through inflation. That's what Japan has done. It's what Europe will do. It's what America will do. It's what every empire in the history of empires has done. And that's why, you know, if, if you were a Roman citizen back in the day and you had a solidus, right? It's where the word solid comes from. You were a citizen if you owned a solidus. It was the most powerful currency in the world. Anyone ever seen a solidus? No, because they don't exist anymore. It got devalued when the Roman Empire collapsed under what? Cronyism, greed, debt, bad management, you know, all the things that we're seeing in the American Empire today. And every empire from the Roman Empire to the Byzantine Empire to the Ottoman Empire to the Portuguese Empire to the Spanish Empire to the French Empire to the uh, Dutch Empire to the British Empire to the American Every single one goes down the same way. I mean, no one listening to this call remembers in 1913, the most powerful country in the world was the UK. It wasn't America. America was an emerging market run by two gangs. The Irish and the Italians were still duking it out until for 16 more years, the Irish and the Italians, okay, duked it out until on Valentine's Day, 1929, the Italians won. Okay, then there was one gang that's been running the country since then. So it's unbelievable. Then Meyer Lansky showed up. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But <laughs> America was an afterthought. Today, we are the superpower for now. But ultimately, we're not going to stay the superpower forever. And everyone says, well, who's going to take over? I don't know. We'll see. But... The reality is what digital does, which is kind of cool, it obviates the need for nation states, right? If you think about digital, I can transfer value now anywhere in the world, doesn't matter what the border is, instantaneously with no counterparty. 
In the old days, if I wanted to send money to El Salvador, I had to go through the Bank of International Settlements, and they took a fee. I had to go through a local correspondent bank, and they took a fee. And eventually, somebody in El Salvador would get, you know, 70, 80 cents on the dollar. Today, I can use the Strike app and get 100 cents on the dollar overnight, or actually not even overnight, instantaneously. So the idea of nation states starts to weaken in the digital realm. Now, does that mean we're all going to abdicate our, our you know, citizen? No, no, not <laughs> overnight. But look, at what point does the tax regime and the revoking of freedom regime force you to reconsider? I don't know. Hopefully in my lifetime. Yeah, I I know. It's it's interesting. It's interesting. Mark. Oh, go ahead, Johnny. You know, Mark, we had, uh, there was an interview we played the other day. It was a lady from the IMF, and she was literally talking about cryptocurrencies and talking about kind of trying to tell people that crypto is an asset class. It's not a currency. And, And their whole mission is to convince everybody that crypto is only meant to be used as an asset class. And I think it's for the very reason you're talking about. It's a big threat to the system they have put in place for many, many years, right? Let's face it. Crypto allows you to operate outside the system. And I think as you talk about on this show, that's why we're seeing this big battle and how is it going to play out? I think they've realized you can't kill crypto. So now the next best thing they're going to do is how do you control it? I think that's what you're going to see. It's a technology. Look, it... Blockchains are technology, and that technology allows us to replace trusted third parties, which for 838 years have extracted rents for safekeeping, transfer, accounting, record keeping, auditing, all of those things have taken $7 trillion a year from us in bank fees, custody fees, auditing fees, wire transfer fees. And and that was okay because I don't want to keep my cash in my house. It was all we had. Like, it's, it's, like it's it was all we had. All we had. Like to, to all we had. say these people are evil, the system has worked really, really well. Is there a lot of leakage? Sorry to interrupt you, Mark, but okay, there's a lot of leakage and friction. You would expect that with, you know, putting a piece, using a piece of charcoal on the cave, Mark's cave, Gary's cave. Gary owes Mark a lamb. Okay, cool. Then he's got to come and collect it. You know, then he's got to beat me up because, you know, then he gets a collection team. So now we are moving into we have quantum computing on the edge of success we have compression of digital assets that i got 40 or fifty thousand videos and music things in my in my telephone man like so if if we go down this once you go down this digital pendulum or this hill this becomes inevitable gravity because it's so efficient the seven trillion dollars i have no problem with until you have another option. Right. When you have another option, dude, come on, let's quit stealing from Joe Public. Okay. This is really, you give $7 trillion back in fees. I mean, the poor girl at the bank who 
everybody knows she's on Netflix on the 15th and she gets an NSF charge on the 14th or the 15th. And because they, the bank knows the funds are showing up on the 16th. That's bullshit. Okay. That's bullshit. That is, that is that's, fucking that's, harming that is Joe scary, consumer. That's, okay? that's really person. hammering. I mean, come beat me and Mark up Goldman. Don't do that to little my sister. Okay. That's just bullshit. Um, so to me, <clears throat> We don't need to worry about all these governments. I believe in competition, man. I believe that this will like work through the system because I believe in markets. Just let these guys keep trying to intervene. They're idiots, man. Okay. They are not smart people. Otherwise, they'd be hanging out with me and Yusko. They're they're not. Okay. I'm sorry. Only caveat. What one caveat. So they act like idiots. I, I will I will grant you that. But they ain't idiots. But they're not idiots. No, no, no. I mean, they're they're self-interested. Yeah. Right? Everybody's pissing and moaning about Jamie Dimon at Davos. And, you know, he said it's a pet rock. Bitcoin's a pet rock. And, you know, crypto needs to be illegal. And I would I would shut it down. He's such an idiot. Jamie's a smart guy. He runs, you know, one of the largest banks in the world. He's a smart guy. Yeah. Two things about this. One. You can judge the quality of an idea by the quality of its detractors. If the four of us have an idea and nobody we respect doesn't like it, who cares? It's a bad idea. If the four of us have an idea and really smart people that we admire and respect hate it, we're onto something. So the better your idea, the smarter people hate it because it disrupts them or they're not part of it or, or whatever. So the fact that he hates it, that's actually a good thing. Second, never underestimate how important the ability for someone to understand something is directly related to where their paycheck comes from. So I love Mark. I love that. But that, that is not where I thought you were going with that analogy. That is very funny. No, no, Sorry, no, no, no. But, but look, Jamie's paid by the legacy system and he don't want to get replaced. He likes his lavish lifestyle. He likes what? hanging out at ski resorts in, in Switzerland. It's really, it's a really good gig. And my thing is I applauded last two years, Jamie Dimon on CNBC. He gets his 15 minutes from Davos along with all that. He can talk about anything he wants. He could talk about skiing. He could talk about JP Morgan. He could talk about anything he wants. He's the boss. And he chooses to talk about Bitcoin. That's <laughs> fucking awesome. That is it's unbelievable. Awesome. It's unbelievable, he's actually. Powerful people in the world. And he's talking about this thing. But people say, but he's pissing on it. Good. If he weren't pissing on it, I would be nervous. Because I would think he had a way to go around it, but he doesn't. He's been working on JP Morgan coin forever. And by the way, anyone who's watching this, if you haven't watched the show, Mr. Robot, Mm. go back and watch it. Now it's so hard to watch because it's so violent. And I mean, it's just, just, but it's so well-written. I mean, the writing is amazing. And I would say all the time, if I would have watched that in real time, I'd be way wealthier than I am today but I didn't watch it in real time in 16. I watched it you know, last year. Evil Corp is JP Morgan. 100% Evil Corp is JP Morgan. And they talk about 
everything that's going to happen in the digital world and how Evil Corp, aka Jacob Morgan, are going to fight it. And it's in their best interest to fight it. And they will probably even align with the BIS and the other central banks. And they may, and this goes back to XRP, they may adopt digital technology, XRP-esque. And then the uh, last question there is, well, okay, but how do the token holders get their share? That I, I don't have the answer for that one. Mark, here's what's really interesting. We've And the first time we ever had you on, we initially started with these conversations. We said, why are people like JP Morgan averse to cryptocurrencies? Well, after doing this show for nearly two and a half years, I've come to the conclusion that cryptocurrency, and this is a great quote, and it's from this video, I'll show you, not going to play the video, but Brian Brooks, the former comptroller of currency in the United States, said cryptocurrency is a bad name because crypto doesn't seek to replace currency. It seeks to replace the banking system. That's why guys like JP Morgan are talking negatively about their competitor. So I just wanted to add to your point there. But Gary, I saw you had some comments. There's a lot that we're going to talk about later in the show. One of the things I wanted to address separate from Bitcoin is as we go through these market cycles today, this is still a narrative-driven market. And Mark, maybe you can tune in at the beginning and then we'll go straight to Gary. These narratives come around in cycles. AI, NFTs. Uh, we've got people like Logan Paul who are going to launch their independent projects. Like These are all indicators to me about where we are in the, in the next cycle. And so putting Bitcoin to the side, what are some of the most exciting narratives you see on the horizon? A lot of people are talking about AI. For somebody who's looking to maximize their wealth, and now it's a risky saying, instead of preserving their wealth, what are some narratives you see that catch your interest? Yes, we, you know, we love the ABCDs of the digital age. AI, blockchain, chips, and data. And so everything in the world revolves around data, right? We're creating lots of it right now. Massive amounts of data are created every day. Organizing, owning, analyzing, and making decisions from data. So you organize data using blockchains, you analyze it using chips, and you make decisions using AI. Those areas are all incredibly important. And companies like NVIDIA and AMD and, and others that make the chips and then there's going to be a new wave of chips coming. We're investing in those. You've got, you know, the AIs. And look, LLMs are just one application of AI. AI is a much bigger, much uh, broader uh, set of, of solutions. Uh, you know, Amazon has way better AI than OpenAI. I'm sorry. Um, Amazon's AI every day makes amazing recommendations when you're on their website because it mm -hmm. knows exactly who you are, exactly what you bought, exactly... And it's amazing. And Netflix's look at Netflix this morning, right? Why do they have so many subscribers? Because they're really good at their job. And it's because of AI. So there's AI in, in lots of different places that you can, you can you know, own without actually owning the code. And then, you know, finally, um, it's, it's this idea that, that blockchains eventually will be the operating system for everything. So beyond Bitcoin, you got Ethereum, which a lot of people are building on. You got Solana, which some people are building on. There's still a big gap between how much is getting built on Ethereum and Solana. Uh, although Solana ecosystem has a lot of positivity right now. So, um, and then, you know, down below that, look, I have no time for meme coins. I get it. People like to speculate on them, you know, Pepe coin or, you know, Dogecoin, whatever. It, that's a, literally a Ponzi. You just got to be the you know first one out in order to, to get some money. Um, but I get it. 
you know, the meme is the message. And, and by the way, Dumb Money, one of the best movies I've seen in, in 10 years. I mean, it was awesome. Just an amazing movie. So well done. Absolutely, Mark. And I'm going to kick it straight to Gary. Gary, let me just unmute you. The floor is yours. Yeah, uh, that movie really shows you the power of herd mentality. And I think this could ha absolutely happen again. Uh, really, it's a, really a good show. Well, I mean, I think they, they really show the weakness of the uh, Goldman Sachs of the world because they brought in millions of players, small players. I mean, this is, you know, the old adage, I know Mark's heard this, about the guy, you know, hunting uh, big predators. With He's got a seven millimeter cannon, you know, he's got a scope that's worth 30 grand and can't miss a shot. And he's standing in the middle of the forest and thousands of ants are crawling up his legs. And like, he is going to die from the ants. And I think that this is what I'm really excited about. I don't know so much about the tokens, but the decentralized nature of connecting 8 billion people, guys like you doing these podcasts, I encourage everyone to light up a podcast. Because one thing I think the crypto decentralized guys really miss was we are actually making more progress against mainstream media and the propaganda machine by never even talking about poking them in the eyeballs. Look at what decentralization is doing right now. We are able to target the problem and educate people. That is very powerful, okay? Because if you believe the deep state and, hey, Jamie's controlling this and that, I, you know, if you could control it, you probably would if you were in his position, right? That's my, adi my maxim is it, it, if you have any way to control a monopoly, grab it, dude. You can't pay enough for it. But if you can't buy one, then probably the best thing to do is beat one up. And, and so we have thousands of people that are out now able to like target what the gap is for the Fox News watcher. What is the gap for the CNBC guy who's just fed up with watching James, uh, what's his name, Kramer. Uh, and, and now we have information like this that is so cheap. Okay, not to mention these guys that are doing public policy, they have no content, guys. They're just literally good looking people that know how to interview people. And they're making $20 million. They're not coming into, they're not going to start their own Twitter space. They have no content. Yeah. Right? We have content. We have experienced content. We're do using this all the time. So I get a little bit less concerned about the enemy because the enemy, there are so many enemies, they will eat each other's lunch sooner or later. Okay. When there's blood in the street, they'll just turn around and go, oh, wow. Look at Bank of America. They have a problem. Let's go rip them into shreds. They are the most unbiased, unracist people in the world. All they need to do is smell blood in the water. Bang, they go there. Um, so if we just do our job, which is not confuse the person that wants to come into this space, uh, whether like my brother wants to self-custody. Well, he, he's not self-custodying, but he's, he doesn't understand why anyone would buy the ETF. And I'm like, bro, you've kind of moved in the last six months. Now you're Mr. Self-Custody, which is, isn't really true. He'll do multi-sig. But uh, I'm sitting there going, shit, I might buy one of these ETFs. Okay, like 
Uh, if you guys want to call me an enemy for buying the ETF, I think the ETFs are going to scream. And, and, and so somebody that looks at the $40,000 price and says, stupidly, I'm sorry, it's just ignorant. Oh, I can't afford $40,000 Bitcoin. Well, go buy the ETF for 40 bucks, man. Exactly. If that makes you feel better, buy the ETF for $40 or $23. Um, cool. And, and uh, let, them sell, let them custody for you. Has an ETF ever not delivered? No, it's a great point. Nope. So what, what the hell are we worried about, man? Like, Yeah, and I think, Gary, you're spot on. At the end of the day, Mark said something's important. It's not the best technology to win. It's the one that gets out to the masses. How do you get to the masses? You have to make it simple, and it's got to be something they trust. People put their money in the bank because they know it's guaranteed. $250,000 FDIC secured. You feel comfortable. You know you're not going to lose it. When that very same thing happens to crypto, when people feel like, hey, I can put 200 grand in the bank in crypto and I don't have to worry about it getting lost, I think that's the day you see bang. Well, by the way, Johnny and Mark will confirm this. The people that are buying ETFs, their FDIC insurance, doesn't even, it's not even relevant. They're in an investment Correct. Uh, portfolio Different. and it has almost, I think, unlimited. Like it has nothing to do with the FDIC. You're going to get, it's a guarantee. Right, you have no exposure to the bank. Those assets are yours. I don't know what they call that, Mark. Can you remind? Because I'm in one of those. Yeah, SIPC. Yeah, yeah. So guys, once hold on. Let me get a comment in here, Johnny, because I want to shift this. First of all, we are at an hour, guys. So we got 750 people here. Thank you for being here. Thank you to Mark. Thank you to Gary. Show us some love. Smash that like button. We'll keep this thing going as long as Gary and Mark can hang around. But there's two topics that I really want to address before the end of the show. And this is one that got a ton of attention. Gary and Mark, I'm just going to kick it straight to you. We'll start with Mark and then go to Gary. Grayscale's digital large cap fund is now tracking the six largest cryptocurrencies, consisting 70% of Bitcoin, 20% Ethereum, then it's 3% Solana, 2% XRP, 1% Cardano, and 1% AVAX. The question that I have for you guys is, is this more of a headline grabber or is this a serious narrative? When these products are offered to the mainstream, are we going to see people allocate a small percentage of their retirement portfolio into these baskets or how does that typically work mark oh 100 look bitwise has been doing this for a while right bitw already exists it's the top 10 by market weight um now it does exclude xrp and xlm because of concentration issues where this one doesn't so so that has some advantage um but ultimately productization is coming and it's only going to accelerate, right? Think about it. There are more mutual funds and ETFs than there are stocks. There just are. Now, 80 years ago, that wasn't the case. Everybody 80 years ago bought stocks. They went to their broker and they bought stocks or bonds. And then mutual funds kind of started to catch on, but it really wasn't until 1986 when <clears throat> Vanguard and BlackRock uh, paid lobbying, corruption, uh, for a new law to be created that made the 401k come into existence. Well, why does that matter? Well, what the 401k did is it basically took money from the people and gave it to the corporations and made Jack Bogle, Bogle rich. What do I mean? Well, you used to have a pension from your company and they took care of you in your old age. You had a defined benefit. And the company was on the hook if they didn't have enough money. Okay. So then BlackRock and Vanguard cooked up this idea 
uh, actually it wasn't BlackRock, it was Vanguard, um, cooked up this idea that said, Fidelity and Vanguard, said, hey, how about you have a defined contribution? So you put less in, 30% less, you contribute, and you have the matching and all this good stuff. But then it's portable that the employee can take it with them. Okay, that all sounds great. But here's the problem. And I, and I don't, and I say this with all great love and admiration and respect. My, my daughter is a saint. You know, she was a pediatric oncology nurse. She has no business managing her money, right? That's not her expertise. And she had her own time. She worked nights. She was sleeping during the day. She, I mean, she, that wasn't her thing. But it's thrust upon her and everybody else to be a, a professional asset manager. So what's she and others going to do? They're going to put one over N. If they got six choices, they're going to put one sixth in each. And if they got lots of equity choices, there'll be more in equities. If they got lots of bond choices, there'll be more in bonds. And so the average person today has $55,000 saved in their 401k, no chance to retire. They got screwed by this law, but the mutual funds and the ETFs, and look, I love the Mooch, right? And the Mooch did one thing in his 10 days in his Scaramucci of time in the Trump administration, he did one thing that was really good. There was a bill introduced by BlackRock and Vanguard, shockingly, the biggest producers of ETFs, that would have made it fiduciarily irresponsible to not put your client's money in the lowest fee product. Nothing about quality, nothing about asset allocation, just about fees. So the whole mutual fund industry would have been defunct and it would have been all about ETFs. That was a terrible rule. And Mooch, thankfully, got it you know, not considered. And so we don't have that stupidity. But we still have this problem that the average person in their 401k, 403b, only gets to invest in ETFs, mutual funds, et cetera. And that's all fine and well and good. But now you're going to have a proliferation of new products that embrace the fact that, look, Bitcoin is a commodity. It's like digital gold. Ethereum, commodity-ish, is a security, it's a commodity. Um, other things, probably commodity-like, you know, and XRP won the lawsuit for, for the same thing. And ultimately, commodities have a role in portfolio, gold, silver, platinum, grains, lumber, small percentage, but that's going to get integrated. And we've got this whole movement to passive. So people are going to move to passive indices like that product you just showed. And so there's going to be an explosion of products. It's going to get easier and easier. Merrill, Bank of America, UBS are going to lift their ban. Vanguard will eventually, you know, kowtow to pressure. And everyone is going to own one, two, three, four, five percent the same way they own some REITs, they own some gold, they own, you know, same thing. So, Mark, really quickly, I think we should shift this into an XRP conversation for our listeners because you've said a lot of really insightful things. And one of the things that catches my attention is the emergence of central bank digital currencies and the advantage it might be to have an aggregate technology. If there is all of these different and people use this analogy with the banks. Sorry to go off on a little bit of a tangent. But when I think about what happened with JP Morgan and Fidelity and everyone says, well, why don't they just launch their own banker's coin? Because JP Morgan isn't going to use Fidelity's coin and Fidelity's coin isn't going to use JP Morgan. 
This is where XRP comes into effect, where they have these aggregate technologies. And I think in a world where you talked about your granddaughter who's one, in a world where she's 11 or she's 15, I think there are going to be central bank digital currencies. And it may be an advantage to have a currency like XRP, where when I travel overseas, I know that currency is synonymous with the European CBDC. And when I'm in the United States, I know I can seamlessly plug into that technology as well. So I just wanted to get a response from that perspective. When you think about an aggregate technology and the freedom that could provide in a, in a world dominated by central bank digital currencies, is that some value that a currency like XRP provides? Uh, here's the, 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 the question that I can't answer is, do I believe in your vision that there will be a, a digital dollar, a digital euro, a digital yen, a digital renminbi? There's already a digital renminbi. Yes. Will fiat migrate to CBDC? Absolutely. Because they can program the money and control it, right? You want to turn off the banking account of the truckers? A lot easier with a CBDC than having to call the bank and tell them to shut it down. So that's absolutely going to happen. Could that all be powered by XRP? Sure, could. The question that I can't answer is, will there be any benefit to the actual token? Or will all of the fees stay within the fiat system? Like right now, if I buy a dollar, I don't get a cut of it, right? If I have a green right. piece of paper, I can't turn it in and get anything for that. I don't get tax receipts. I don't get a share of some tank. You know, I don't get anything. It's just a belief and custom that that green piece of paper, if I give it to Gary, he'll give me some service. So, and they use red pieces of paper in China and yellow piece of paper in Israel. So that, that's the question. If XRP, the asset has some linkage to all of the gazillions of transactions, technical term gazillions, that occur on those central bank ledgers could be really, really valuable. Yeah. But that's the part I just don't know. Because right now, as I understand it, they're not connected. It's kind of like Uniswap and Uniswap activity. The DEX is really active, but the token Uni doesn't get anything. So the only value is a bunch of people buying it and selling it like Dogecoin. So. Yeah. It's why it's gone like this. And if you connected the DEX activity of Uniswap to maybe they make Uni2, then it would be more interesting. So if there's a connection between the ledger and the token, thumbs up. If there's no connection, I'm not an owner. And Mark, isn't that really the key, though, when you look at the XRP ledger and the way it's designed to, to eliminate the Nostra Vostra accounts and to be the settlement coin of activity as you transfer from one bank across east to another that xrp at least the way you see ripple designed it they say it's that is the actual coin that they use for settlement if that's the case then that coin has to be able to handle the daily trade volume of it and and i believe that's what you were saying and that's where you know primarily the only value is the question is will they use it as the will that be the actual coin used for settlement across the the rails exactly and that's the part i i just I don't know the actual tech well enough to know if that's embedded. Look, if the token becomes the, the token, settlement. right? Right. If it becomes evil coin, <laughs> right? if it's not JP Morgan coin, because I agree with abs, 
no freaking way no. X Bank uses JP Morgan coin because that's a private network. If it is a public ledger and that ledger then is adopted by this large cohort, I was going to use a different word, but cohort of banks. Yeah, it could be very interesting. I just, I think the difference is the tech and the connectivity versus the token itself. So Mark, here's what's cool. I'm going to provide a couple of stats and you let me know if it changes your perspective at all, because it may or it may not. I just don't know. One of the things that we're seeing Ripple do right now is facilitate billions of dollars in on-demand liquidity sales. That's just cross-border, putting central bank digital currencies to the side. And what we're seeing from these transactions is, number one, there's been zero adoption in the United States due to the lawsuit with the SEC. So I think when that resolves, Bank of America is a public partner of Ripple. That could be one of the first companies that steps in and begins to leverage that technology. But the second thing that sticks out to me when I read Ripple's quarterly reports is on average, they're doing over 50% of global on-demand liquidity using the token XRP. So you can take that one of two ways, right? They're using currencies like Bitcoin, Ethereum, Litecoin, Solana, and a couple others I can't remember. But 50% are deferring to XRP because it's the best product that exists in Ripple payments. You can get the best rates. It's the most efficient. So there's a lot of different narratives going on here. But when I think about what Ripple's doing for XRP, the token in and of itself, you got to think about the escrow as well. They're distributing over 200 million XRP tokens every month to what are called, you know, finance certified financial institutions, big banks. And look at the confetti. I don't know why that happened, but big banks ah, buying all of that. this. <laughs> right? Maybe it's a that, was a present, that was a present from Garlinghouse. There nice. you go. And speaking ah. of Garlinghouse, you did bring up earlier in the show that he was at the World Economic Forum. Well, Brad Garlinghouse has been a member of the World Economic Forum since 2018. So you talked about how CBDCs might not be a good thing. Nobody said these are all good guys, right? We don't have to totally agree with what they're creating. We just have to debate if it's going to be successful. So with that being said, do you think because the numbers are 50% of their business is done in XRP due to the technology that as this becomes a bigger market leveraged in the US, leveraged in Europe, that seems inevitable. We don't need 100% of global payments. We just need five or 10%. And this tokens at places we never even imagined. Is that possible? It's it's absolutely possible. Um, it, it just comes down to tokenomics. It just comes down to where the actual revenues get shared, and and then the last piece of it is is the other part of tokenomics, which is how many tokens are are created, right? If if you can create tokens out of thin air, just like the fiat system, then the value of the overall pool of tokens gets diluted. Whereas if the tokens are fixed and they move, and for that movement, you get a share of fees like gas fees, then the, to me, that's a better model. But this is, this is where like I'm, I'm a financial services guy, not a, not a tech guy. I'm not a coder, but um, I invest in coders and I invest in technology. Um, so yeah, it's capped by the way, Mark. So XRP hey, has a hundred billion yeah. coins. Guys, if I could throw a little curveball in this discussion, yeah. um, XRP is a $28 billion market cap entity. Mm. MasterCard, 440 billion mm. visa. 736 billion, JP Morgan Chase, 493 billion. Uh, 
XRP, I'll, I'll make a bet that XRP as an entity in five years won't even exist. One of these companies will acquire, just suck that company up. If I'm Visa or MasterCard, I'm looking at this. See, that price, they could spend $28 billion. They could spend $50 billion, 10% of their balance sheet. And one, I don't think the regulator would fuck with them. I don't. I don't. If, if you're MasterCard, this would be an awesome play to get in front of Visa. I don't see XRP being its own little entity forever and ever. I, I, I don't see it. Uh, it. The performance is shit. Like, let's just be clear. The performance on XRP has been not great. Right. Um, and it's all, all the stable of, coin, Gary. It's like a stable coin, 50 cents. It doesn't move. Yeah, but that, it, yeah. Uh, but, but I see Mark nodding his head. If I'm MasterCard and Visa, yeah. I'm looking around going, hey, what can I buy in this space that doesn't get me any regulatory hassle? It's a new industry. Like, they love that shit, dude. I can go into a new market. Their balance sheet is staggering. 51% net operating margins for Visa. 40-year-old company. Like, when did that ever happen? Uh, so I think they're absolutely protected by the big, big governments because they can make that phone call. Cut off the Russians tomorrow. 15 minutes, dude. Cut them off. And they've done it twice now. So I think that's more, that would be my thesis for owning Ripple XRP would be a buyout. Um, and quite frankly, these other businesses, I'm not even sure these token businesses, who would want any of that? Who would want Solana? Visa's not going to buy Solana. Uh, what, what other things, Mark, would they look at? Because I agree with you. It's no, a no, no. Look, you're, you're, I, I'm, 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 not, I'm not violently because I, I agree. And, and look, Visa did just do a trial on Solana. You know, here's the thing. Solana broke in the last bull cycle, multiple times, right? The network yeah. went down, transactions, people get mad when I say it, but transactions got vaporized. And that doesn't mean they rolled back the ledger, it just means people put out a transaction, it never settled because the mm. system was down. And so now they claim that's all been fixed and I'll take their word for it. And look, if you wanna send a stable coin anywhere in the world for the cheapest fee, Phantom Wallet's amazing. I mean, instantaneous 0.0015 cents, awesome. But, you know, there are these questions about can the blockchain scale, have they fixed visas dipping their toe in? Now the Solana networks, oh, they're gonna take us. That's not what they said. They're going to try it. They're going to try AVAX probably. Maybe mm. they'll try XRP. But I totally agree with Gary. Look, they, the incumbents, Visa, MasterCard, are looking at a world where right now Strike, right, which allows you to transfer money anywhere in the world across the Bitcoin blockchain, could replace Visa and MasterCard, right? Instead of me carrying my Visa card, I could use my Strike app and send money. Yep. They don't want that, right? Yep. They they like 41% margins. They, <laughs> they they look at the Visa chart. I mean, it's it's the most beautiful stock chart. The only one better than that, which I didn't even know existed was Fair FICO, Fair Isle Corp. Like the FICO score is owned by a company. That stock it's like <laughs> better than Amazon. It's crazy. I didn't even know this thing existed. But 
Um, someone is going to buy the tech. Maybe. Now, so far, again, as I understand it, XRP has tried to partner with the banks to be a swift replacement. Right. I don't know if they've talked to Visa and MasterCard, but to Gary's point, if I'm Visa at some point, if I'm really threatened and suddenly this crypto stuff is taking my, you know, my card numbers start to go down, mm. I'm buying it, right? This is what Cisco used to do in the old days. They'd buy tech and if they liked it, they'd use it. If they didn't like it, they would shelve it. Yep. It's kind of what Ford did to American Electric Vehicle Corp. The largest car company in America in 1906 was an electric car company called American Electric Vehicle Corp. Most cars in America were electric, not gas. Mm -hmm. And Henry Ford decided to make the Model T run on gasoline because his friend John D. Rockefeller had this waste product from kerosene. And they basically shut them down and shelved the technology for 90 years. And that could happen here too, right? They could buy it and shelve it and we never hear from it again. Or they could buy it, integrate it, use it, and every transaction in the world goes across the XRP ledger. I don't know. Mark, and I want to say something else. I feel like sometimes we come off as like XRP enthusiasts. Maybe even you would call us a maximalist, but I want to be clear that we are not. We came to this technology because we thought it was the best. And there's plenty of others that we are advocates of. HBAR, Algorand, Quant Network, AVAX. We talk about a plethora of projects every day. And this is a video I need to play and get you and Gary's opinion on before the end of the show. This is from Larry Fink. I believe it was at the end of December when he said the next step going forward is going to be the tokenization of financial assets, every stock and every bond. Here's about 40 seconds and we'll go right back to you guys. Here we go. Important to be anticipating the next move. I we believe the next step going forward will be the tokenization of financial assets. And that means every stock Every bond will have its own, basically, QCIP. It'll be on one general ledger. Every investor, you and I, will have our own number, our own identification. We could rid ourselves of all issues around illicit activities about bonds and stocks and digital by having a, 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 a tokenization. But the most importantly thing, we can customize strategies through tokenization that is, if it's every individual. We would have instantaneous settlement. Think about all the costs of settling bonds and stocks. So I don't know if I put him in a maximalist category, but he's definitely on his way there after that clip, Mark. What do you think about Larry Fink defining the trust and the truth transition that you always talk about? This blockchain technology evens the playing field from that perspective, and it seems like tokenization is the biggest catalyst for this market going forward. Look, I was trying to, I was trying to find it. Um, so here's, here's the, I was trying to find the video of it, but here it is. Every stock, every bond, every currency, every commodity, every piece of real asset, every, everything, every private business, all of it. I've been saying that forever. And, you know, imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. So, you know, I said, I, I actually put it, I put the video out. I have a video <laughs> of me at a, at a conference about three or four months ago. And I said, this is the Larry Fink training video. So look, I, I, when one of those powerful people in the world says things I say, I, I think that's cool. The issue for me is he's part of that group. Mm. And again, I don't want to go too far down the conspiracy theory. Yeah. Again, it's not a conspiracy if it's true, but please do Mark. The group that just gets together every year in, in Davos, they have a plan. 
Yep. And their plan is to control every stock, every bond, every currency, every commodity. That's why BlackRock is the biggest asset manager in the world. And yep. so when he says it's all going to be tokenized, he ain't kidding around because they've seen it. They know it's coming. Now, we would all, we being the decentralists, would like it to be outside that system, outside mm. of CBDCs, outside of WEF, outside of, you know, that. They want it inside. Mm. And, and again, it's not a coincidence that Brad was there with them. It's not a coincidence that they're all talking about potentially using XRP and you know, when I, when I tweeted that, that Larry Fink thing out, a bunch of people said, say, oh, hey, that proves that, that XRP is going to win. I'm like, no, what it, what it says is it's entirely possible that Larry et al. are thinking about this system. XRP is certainly one tech that could be used. Now, they could look at other tech, but... So far, I would say it, it, it has the lead. But I look, Larry's a smart, smart man. I mean, he built that from nothing to the largest asset manager in the world in less than 20 years. It's amazing. So, Gary, first, there's another important narrative we're getting asked in the live chat. This person said, are Gary and Grant Cardone twins? How can you not tell, guys? They are identical twins from what I can tell. <laughs> you know, Mark broke down a lot of serious information, so I just want to hear your response. And you guys, let me know. I can go all day, so just give me a thumbs up or. Thumbs I got down two more. I got two minutes, so let Gary yeah. go, and then and then I'll sign. Hey, up. let me let me just build on what Mark said. Like I, I I'm not scared of what you guys are scared of. Okay, uh, I I don't. Eight billion people are getting ready to come to the market. BlackRock's not going to be interested in most of them. Okay, fucking, they're not interested. Okay, they're interested in me and Mark. Yep. They're not, and they're probably not even interested in me or Mark. Like, like, uh, I think you guys are making more of the boogeyman than, than there's 8 billion of us. We, we have uh, what we can't do. We cannot be censored. Like this is, I don't give a toss about Bitcoin, Solana or XRP. We can't be censored. This is what we really need to fight for is the freedom of voice uh, and connection to all people without interference. If they start messing with the money too much, 8 billion people will revolt. So like mess with me a little bit, provide us. Like I, I've argued with Mark before, uh, like not argue, but I said, hey, Mark, centralization is actually hyper efficient. If your God and my God that we agreed on was running the show, we'd be like, dude, let's roll centralization. I like it. <laughs> but the problem is the old God guy gets a counselor uh, or gets an advisor. And then he starts to tell, spin this story of, you know, your legacy, your legacy really needs to be. And, you know, we know better than these little peoples uh, what's good for them. So that's the problem with centralization. It normally fails because power corrupts. People mm. go fucking crazy with so much power. Mm. Uh, we are the power. And whether we're using U.S. dollars, Ripple, Bitcoin, or whatever, I'm just not so worried about these people. Because I, 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 I don't think these big machines can move the way you and I can move. And, and in highly disruptive environments, uh, it's in the favor of the rebels, man. 
it, it, in guerrilla warfare. It's not in the favor of the big troops that are sending in 300 tanks and you can see them a thousand miles coming, man. The dust storm is like, okay, they're coming. So I just, um, I believe in free markets, like, you know, something over above us is going to take care of us. I think we have more freedom than we've ever had ever. Okay. Like you, you and I live better than every King before us, except the, the British, British uh, monarchy. Um, the mar- it's rolling. They should have shut this thing down seven years ago, dude. This is done now. This is happening. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I'm not so worried. I just think that there's a tremendous opportunity here uh, for everyone, and we need to educate them better. Like we have decentralization of Bitcoin has been a monster, monster problem. You're getting ready to see Bitcoin put on marketing steroids. Okay, like it's going to be the most boring advertisements and. <laughs> And uh, hopefully the maxis don't get in there and interfere uh, because, quite frankly, you're going to see adoption come from these type of adverts, not from, hey, you need to have 24 seed phrases and put $300 million on a wallet and bury it in your fucking backyard, man. I mean, people want to pull their fucking hair, hair out. Yeah. Gary's right. You should you should pull up the the BlackRock ad of the guy with the you know makeup on his cheeks and and the the sport coat with the you know no tie. Boring, 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 boring. Moonboy ain't selling to boomers. So <laughs> violent agreement. And here's the thing, Gary and I do you know debate. I love debate. If two people always have the same opinion, one is unnecessary. Yeah. I like to be necessary, so I, I sometimes have opinions. Um, but I'll leave you with this, this parting thought. Gary's a hundred percent right. We live the best life on the history of the world, right? We are lucky to be in this country. We're lucky to be where we are. We're lucky to be able to do this and and have free and open conversation. Uh, It's amazing. We're this close and we got a taste of it during lockdown. We are this close to not, Mm. right? Digital ID, permission, vax passes, all of that stuff. I do sadly believe that group that just met in in Europe wants that. They want to control. And and here's a stat. I, I totally agree with Gary's right. The 8 billion people in the world, we're the ones that matter. The people listening today, we're the ones that matter. Single family, the Rothschild family, has more wealth. That's a big-ass mm. family. They have more wealth than the bottom six billion people on this planet. One family, six billion people. Half <laughs> of those six billion people don't have uh, everyday access to uh, electricity. So there's a whole bunch of stuff that we can fix and make life better in lots of parts of the world. And this technology will do that. And you think about what what Bitcoin means to us here or what XRP means to us, it's nothing compared to what it means to that person in Venezuela that just had their assets confiscated by Maduro. It's like nothing versus the person in Turkey who's had their assets assets confiscated by that asshole or what just happened in Argentina before Mele kicked out the Kirshnerites, right? Or people in in Somalia or the people in Zimbabwe. Okay, Lebanon or Palestine. I mean, there's... All kinds of badness and an asset that exists in the absence of a liability 
that is digital, uncensorable, unconfiscatable. Now, Gary's right. If they come to my house and put a gun to my daughter's head, I'm giving up the seed phrase. So don't come to my house, right? Because I don't keep it there. But um, I, I believe that technology makes us better. Everything about technology makes us better. I believe that the empowerment of you know the masses and and I actually differ. You know, there are people that rail against fractional reserve banking and they say it's the worst thing ever. I disagree. I think it's the greatest thing ever. Name a country you would live in that doesn't have a good fractional reserve banking system. I'll wait. You can't do it. No one's yeah. moving the Democratic Republic of Congo voluntarily. So mm-hmm. fractional reserve banking actually does some good stuff. Now, does it concentrate the power at the top? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Is it unfair? Absolutely. But does it give us those who have a spirit of enterprise and entrepreneurship and make the world a better place and invent stuff and be innovation, a better opportunity? Absolutely. The fact that we can even have this conversation is a godsend. So anyway, that's the positive. And together, better together and community, right? The people who listen to you guys every day, that's a community. The people that Gary and I talk to, that's a community. The fact that we can all come together and work towards making things better, it's huge. It's awesome. Mark, Mark, do you think any value is embedded in the price of Bitcoin right now for the network community effect? I had 800 people on a on a, a space last night. I actually invited you to it. And uh, I'm like, you know, I would not be in touch with any of you 800 people if this wasn't about Bitcoin. Like, like, I would never have met you. 100%. And I, and I would have been there, but the boss told me that I no, couldn't no, no, go to no space. Problem. Zero, no, no, zero, no. I, look, zero I listen to the Bitcoin. boss. And when she says I can go, I go. When she says I can't go, I don't go. But um, she was away for, for a few days, um, taking care of her parents. But I, I agree with you. The community effect. Look, I'm wearing a fucking hoodie. I mean, I'm a 60-year-old man wearing a hoodie. What the hell is up with that? Oh. I would not <laughs> yeah. be wearing a hoodie if it weren't for this community. And it's because I'm having more fun today than I've had in my whole career. Full stop, full stop. And I love my career. I loved every part of it. I loved working for the man. I loved working for, you know, not for profits. I loved it, but this is more fun because we are building the future and we are embracing technology and we're building communities you know, it's why I have an on-chain monkey as my PFP, right? It's a community that I believe in. And so all of that is in the price. And it is why we're never going to zero. You're never putting the genie back in the bottle. You're never going to stop this steamroller. And yes, the tanks will come. We are in the then they fight you phase. And they're going to fight hard. And Ms. Warren, she's going to try to make it illegal to self-custody your Bitcoin. She is. She's going to try yeah. that. And they probably will try to confiscate some. They'll try it. And they're going to try to do all kinds of stuff. Like, like she said, oh, it's only used for money laundering. $1 million. $900 million used in, in fiat cash. It's, it's just dumb. But it doesn't matter. She doesn't care about dumb. She cares about sensational. She cares about who pays her bills. Who are her largest her donors? donors? Bank her of donors. America, Merrill Lynch, Vanguard Group. All of financial services she's bought and paid for. Look, Bingo. I'm leaving, but it costs a hundred million dollars to become a senator. A hundred million dollars. 
How many people have $100 million to become a senator? Not that many. So what do you do? You raise it. Well, if you raise it and people give you $100 million, what do they expect? They expect stuff. Mark, final question. Are we going to see see 99% of cryptos go away in your perspective? Do you think we still have that moment or is that a narrative that's fallen behind now? Okay, crypto. So most things are not cryptocurrencies. Most utility tokens, meme coins, sure, they all go away. Absolutely, they go away. But that's okay. You know, it's like the old go ahead and crunch, we'll make more, the old Doritos commercial. Mm. We'll make more. We'll, we'll, inno- we'll innovate more. We'll make more technology. But the ones that are here to stay, the true cryptocurrencies, Bitcoin, Ethereum, Solana, Avalanche, whatever, those are here. Now, how we rearrange, you know, Who's the king? Who's the crown prince? Who are the other princes? I don't really know yet. But there will be L1s. There'll be L2s. There'll be L3s. There'll be L4s. We will continue to migrate to this digital age. And we will integrate AI, blockchain, chips, and data Mm -hmm. to make our lives even better. And we'll take that $7 trillion that's wasted in the trust industry and we'll migrate to truth. I don't need trust if I have truth. If I have a permanent immutable ledger that tells me I own this and Gary owns that and you own this, I don't need trust. Mm-hmm. Truth is better than trust. I like truth. So I got to run. You guys are great as always. Gary, great Thanks to be so with much, Mark. you. Thanks for having great us old guys you, Mark. on. Always, and, good to, uh, always good to work with you, buddy. And we got to do it again soon. First of all, I love these collaborations. And second of all, Mark, it's always a learning experience. So thank you so much for joining us. We really, really appreciate it. Can't say that enough. All right. yeah. Be well. Love Thanks, buddy. You are awesome. I got another question for Gary just to close this Uh-oh. thing out. All right. we, talk, we talk too much, right? And I can talk all day. That's one of the talents that I have. But he brought up something important, which is there's about 10 currencies that are here to stay. I know you talk a ton about Bitcoin, but do you have any perspective on Ethereum? What's your perspective on Ethereum as a project? Is that something you've looked at or considered? I have. Uh, you know, yes, I have. And... Uh, I do own some. I think I own 11 Ethereum, which yeah. is hilarious. Gary <laughs> owns 11 Ethereum. Uh, look, you know, for me, I look at Bitcoin and I look at Ethereum and I'm I'm like, hmm. Uh, let's see. There's a 30-year-old kid that's, you know, looks like he's undernourished, who is the my human error risk. See, I love Bitcoin because I don't have the human error risk. My biggest mm. error risk with Bitcoin is the the tribal mentality which quite frankly, I think plays as a reverse uh, flow for me because I think if the marketing, the tribal propaganda, marketing, whatever you want to call it, wasn't so bad, Bitcoin would actually be priced higher. Hmm. I think it's chased off a lot of serious player, man. It it just, like... I think, you know, I think Raul Paul, I mean, if I read in between the lines, he's like, fuck, I'm out, dude. I, I don't even want to own any of this shit because you guys are fucking crazy. It's not everyone. It's just a few really loud players. I can't even figure out, do they own $12 worth of Bitcoin or did they buy 12000 at a dollar? And now they're so rich that they can be, hey, I want to be the central bank. <laughs> Gary, that's a really good story I heard about this man who was in San Francisco during 2011 and Max Kaiser approached him with a laptop and he said on this laptop there's 10,000 Bitcoin the man said don't waste my time with that crap 
that would be worth over $400 million today. So I think it goes to show that could be the answer to your question. If they were handing out computers with 10,000 Bitcoin on them in 2010, I'm sure some of these guys were around and some of them held their bags that entire time. So maybe that explains the self-interest. I don't know. What do you yeah, think? Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I just think that, that, uh, so, so when I think of Ethereum and I'm not trying to make fun of the kid, but I have never known a 30 year old kid that could handle the adulation alone mm. that comes to him, the stage presence, uh, you know, they become a rock star. I mean, one of the things I've been scared about even doing any of this stuff, cause I know that, uh, you know, the human mind can be really fucked up very quickly with too much adulation and clapping and Gary, aren't you cool? And then you start looking for that dopamine hit. Mm. Uh, so that's that's before the money. Mm. Okay. So why would I want to invest with a 30 year old kid that's never been stress tested when I can invest with Bitcoin? So I, I just don't even think they're in the same league. Uh, doesn't mean that there's not going to be more opportunity, but I'm, I don't need a 5,000% return. Like I'm cool with a 500% return, dude. Like I, I, it's enough for me. I don't need to be a complete pig. Um, and I quite don't, I quite frankly do not understand chasing all of these things. Cause it just, um, uh, there's a mount there, there, there's a level of risk that doesn't seem to be worth it. So what do you think about this for, for somebody who's, cause I think a lot of people listen to this show to get your perspective on business and, and earning income and all types of different things, not just crypto. So what is your, I, I don't want to say advice, but what is your perspective? What is your advice? I would say for people who are looking to maximize profit and they look at Bitcoin and go, well, it's $40,000. If it's going to do a two X, we need a trillion dollars in new liquidity. And I think that's what draws people to these smaller projects where they say, Oh, look, you know, Solana's 36 billion in total market cap. That's a big number. But you could easily triple in a matter of weeks that the, the uh, evidence really does speak for itself. So what is your rebuttal to that? Do you think that's a, as somebody who's made it is a success? Is that something that is, is an early investor type of mindset? Is that something that you outgrow in time or how does that factor in? Um, the way, the way I look at it is when I am so saturated with Bitcoin that I'm like, okay, I'm just like eking Bitcoin out of my pores. Uh, then maybe I can look at some of these other positions. Look, I own SEI, okay? Uh, I mean, I don't know why I own SEI. I, I couldn't tell you what SEI is if, if my life depended on it. Let's just see how many SI, SEI I own. Uh, maybe um, I own a lot of Bitcoin. <laughs> it's good to see all those Bitcoins stacking sure. up there. Uh, I, th I think it's like I own 11 ETH, you know, it's like stupid and maybe, maybe 50 grand's worth of SEI and 50 grand's worth of Solana and 50 grand's worth of something else. Uh, cool. But it, it's not 5 million. Right. If, if 50 grand, it's, it's just a casino bet. Yeah. And, and also my time horizon for those three projects or less than a year. And, and, and by the way, if the tax man allowed me to take uh, a cap gains and reduced it to six months, these would be six months plays. My Bitcoin, five plus years. Like I, I will continue buying here, man. Like this 40 grand, like I'm like, wow, 40 grand. I get to buy some more. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't even it's like comparing Kevlar to a T-shirt. I'm going to a gunfight. Which one do I want to wear, man?
Is that t-shirt bulletproof? Because fucking yeah. Well, I don't think so. But even if it is, I'm sticking Kevlar on top of it. And by the way, like I'm bringing a BB gun, Solana, to the J.P. Morgan battle. Now nah, I'm bringing Bitcoin. To it. So I mean, this is just real simple, simple stuff to me. If someone doesn't have their bags full of Bitcoin and really committed to their thesis. And these people puking right now going from 48, which wasn't even a real number. I mean, nobody sold it at 48, 49, maybe the very top. But like it's come off 4,000 bucks, man. Big fucking deal. Like big deal. Your thesis is needs to be rechallenged if you're panicking or your position is so large relative to what you can stomach. Then it's like Joe Calasari. Like I heard Joe last night. I love Joe. Okay. very, But he's like, bro. I don't have the, he told this to four, five, six, 800 people. I, I should be longer on Bitcoin, but like, I'm not comfortable. Like he didn't say that I am super comfortable having 70, 80% allocation, but he's not. And that is awesome for him to understand. Shit, dude, I, I can't do 80. I should do 80, but I can't handle my emotions. Can't handle that big of a swing. And that is vital for any investor to understand, you know, what is your stomach? Uh, I can just see people getting pushed out of this, these trades, dude. These are not professional traders. Gary, last time we had you on the show, you broke down something really cool. You said of 22 wealthy families, only seven were investing in, sorry, you said out of 22 firms, family firms, it was 20 out of the 22, only seven were investing in digital assets. And of those seven, zero were involved in altcoins. It was only Bitcoin. Maybe you can speak to that a little bit more, like in your upper circles with wealthier, wealthier people in America, are these conversations becoming more normal from your experience? What's changed in the last two or three years? Well, the, the conversations are most definitely happening. Every family office has looked at this and has done so for the last say 18, 19, 20 months. Um, the allocation was seven out of 22 families have already done something, but it's very, very small. Mm. And the reason I know that is the 22 families. I asked those 22, uh, I asked the banker, Hey, those 22 families, where do I fit? Mm. And I knew the answer. Oh, you're the little guy. dude. <laughs> okay. Okay, cool. I'm the little guy. What's my allocation to crypto relative to the other seven families? He's like, you're the biggest guy. Oh, wow. See, that's important. Okay, yeah. these are surveys I run on everyone, bankers, buddies, friends, you guys. So if you have seven people who have invested in crypto, yet I'm the smallest guy, but have the largest allocation. And then the other 14 families literally been studying it for 18 months, trying to get their shit together. Yeah. Now you have an ETF. They don't even have to make a decision on Bitcoin. Oh, it's easy. They can just go do the ETF. Okay. Yeah. Um. Gary, so, do you think the ETF will bring them in now? Do you think that is the, oh, most the certainly do. or the legitimization that they needed? Like, is that what they needed to bring them in? This is this is basically a uh, the USDA grade of approval yep. on that Stamp piece of, of prime prime rib, bro. There you okay? go. Okay, and they're gonna buy refrigerator fulls of this shit. Okay, yeah. like refrigerator full. You've never seen. Like I'm telling you, two and a half million dollars is going to be an average small investment for 400,000 families. And when you do the math, okay, 400,000 times two and a half million divided by 45,000, dude, it will shock you. Okay. 
if yeah. you're wrong by a quarter, the price <laughs> still goes to a hundred grand. Exactly. Okay. Like, like you can just keep cutting the fucking price down. Then you have 62 million millionaires. Right. Okay. They just right. deploy 2,500. Do that math. Yep. $2,500, dude. I know yep. people that are wearing a Timex fucking watch for $2,500 on their arm. Right. Okay. 62 million millionaires. Come on. Yeah. 25. That's a, that's a rent for one month in, yeah. in an apartment. So what is that math? I think that's 4 million Bitcoin. Yeah. Chasing a very, very, very supply. Have right? you gotten any insight from Grant on what his perspective is and maybe his group? I don't know if you have the same group of friends and same group of like financial friends as well, but what does he oh, say? Dude, my, my friends are real. All of his are celebrity. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. What are those guys saying? Because I'm interested. Like, we don't get to hear that insight too often. What are those types of financial players saying about crypto nowadays? Well, people bounce on me a lot and go, hey, when are you going to convert your brother? I'm like, as late as possible. <laughs> want to yeah. fucking convert him, dude. Okay. So why would we want to convert him? Let him come in in a year from now when it's 80. Uh, I don't like we don't need all like this is a good thing. Are you Why saying is everybody like so worried about everybody jumping in to validate what you think? Yeah. Like, I let's keep the price down for a while. But here's yeah. why I ask, because if your brother and his friends, these are the biggest players for anybody who doesn't know Grant, just go do a Google search. Right. Renowned uh, real estate man, billionaire. Just that's what Google says. If these types of players are becoming more comfortable with the idea, Grant is a representative for a much larger community, which is the wealthy Americans that control a lot of markets today. So that's why I'm so interested. If somebody like Grant was coming around, which of course you're in the same class, you're his identical twin brother. These types of players coming into the market for me, someone who's been here five years, it's brand new. Guys like you were not doing podcasts like this during 2021. We had it. We were trying to get people on. It just was a completely different conversation. So that's why I asked the question. If, if players like Grant are shifting, I think it just shows that the big players in real estate, stocks, bonds, they're all shifting as well. What do you think? Well, I, th I think they're more open-minded, okay? I don't think they're shifting. You're not going to get Grant to move his entire real estate uh, $4 billion position into crypto, okay? That's not – you don't need to. Um, but I think he owns – I don't know. He owns a little bit. I, his his, his uh, allocation is stupidly small relative to his size. But, you know, there's a couple of issues. One, he continues to raise money for these – uh, buildings. Two, I think it would be really pretty weird for him to raise money from third parties, which many of them are unaccredited, and he does a really good job of doing that. Mm -hmm. um, but how would somebody feel if they know he's investing $100 million a year of their distributions into Bitcoin while he's promoting Bitcoin? I mean, real estate yeah. distributions. Yeah. Okay. So, like, He'll get in it. Okay. He'll have a position of some size. Um, he'll probably never move it. So he's the kind of guy you want. Yeah. Uh, he'll sit it there for five years. It layers now. Now let's not take grant, but if you're an investor in real estate, Bitcoin offers one, two things that are magical, a liquidation preference over at real estate. If I wanted to sell this home today, dude, best case, I'm 90 days. Right. I bought this home in 22 days. It's the fastest deal they've ever seen in their lives. <laughs> uh, so that's very unusual. Crypt, uh, real estate has some benefits. It's not marked to market. There is no chart to go look at. 
Okay. My, my investments with grant, like I can't go look at the, Hey, what's the price today mm. and validate or discount my thesis. I get a dis- distribution every month when the distribution stop red light. Okay. Oh, what happened there? Uh, I get to amortize and I get to depreciate. I mean, I have one real estate piece of real estate that all $4 million has come back to me. Nice. I invested four. He gave me four back two years after the investment. And I still have 5% of the building. Jesus. Okay. I get paid. Now, will that ever happen for crypto? Yes. Actually, I got a phone call five days ago from a major bank going, Hey dude, uh, I hear your shit with the regulators done. Well, they didn't say that. That's why they blew me off in the first place because I was having this FTC thing. Yep. And that's cool. Should have just told me. Cool, dude. But I, we got that handled. The ETF's out. You know, one of the top four called me. Hey, uh, would you move all your shit over to us if we can help you with Bitcoin now? <laughs> now, what are they going to do? Dude, they're going to let me borrow against Bitcoin. Oh, that's and, that, and that, that is what I've been saying. Hey, I got $30 million in Bitcoin, dude. I want you to give me like $20 million. I, I, like I'm, a, I'm raising money for node 40. I actually don't want to raise money for it. I, I want to keep investing in this company. It's awesome. Uh, and if I can start getting leverage that ETF, dude, it, people don't understand. Like this is now going to be a lending product. And guess what? You ain't going to get lending unless you give over your keys. You're going to have to let somebody hold those coins. Yeah. A trusted party. They're not going to let me keep my coins and some girlfriend grabs them. And I've got a, I've got a loan for $30 million. Right. Again, that's not real. Right. I got to surrender my house to get some kind of leverage on it. So uh, look, the, the 400,000 families, whether it's grant or grants kids, Dude, they're coming. They're maxed out. Like you can't buy any more cars, villas, girlfriends, like real estate, airplanes. Yep. How many apartment buildings? Now, now this is where it's going to get clipped. I think the you have a commercial real estate opportunity that I could build a case that I want my Bitcoin to go up. I will sell my Bitcoin and then I'll move those over to buying commercial real estate for 70 cents on the dollar. Or, you know, at a mass 70, yeah, 30 cents on the dollar. And those deals are starting to happen right now. Hmm. So uh, it's got to, it's all got to be good. To me, it's got to be good. I got a 75 year old sister that's now investing. She picked the phone up. Fidelity, move my GBTC over to uh, Bitcoin and buy me some Bitcoin. 75 years old, dude. Boom. So we're, we're, we're so close. People just need to reassess the thesis. I think they're involved in like my fear for all of these guys, especially guys that are watching your show and shows like it. If you've been trading and you got out with your skin on your face, I would stop trading. Okay. I, I, I like, I have nothing to gain from this other than I have been doing this my whole life. You are getting ready to meet some very angry people okay and they have a balance sheet that can fuck you up so fast mm. they like the i used to swing a billion dollars of var around man 32 years old okay i would walk into a market and go i'm bid offered 500 megawatts for five years and the spread is three cents that's fucking um, impossible to respond to enron would hang the phone up on me 
<laughs> so these people have like we've never volatility is getting getting ready to get extreme. Mm-hmm. Extreme. Um really? and I think this is some of what we're seeing right here. Oh dude, if I was running this market, I'd be pushing this market into the low 30s right now. Yeah. I think you know why? Cuz it can be. I yep. think that's where we're headed too. I think there will be a push down there, Gary. I think you'll see. I wish it would happen instantly. I yeah, wish another fucker would go from it's f- thirty-nine happen. to thirty, just bang. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Freak people out, dude. This little slow little creep. It's yeah. not enough pain, instant pain. And then yeah. we're gonna shake out the light hands. Like we need to shake the punks out. I'm sorry, but if you're a punk and you feel offended by that, you're it. Yeah. Right. Um. So I still don't have enough Bitcoin, in my opinion. So until We're definitely then, coming down to this, Gary, we do a lot of TA and stuff like that, too, because we've been talking about Bitcoin and how this has been overly bullish for the last four or five months. We're due for a pullback. These things don't go up forever. The next serious trading range and range of support here is 32,000. We may go below that, but I think it's almost a certainty we're going to go right below 36. And it depends on the time frame, right? Could be four weeks. Could be six weeks. We don't know. But it seems like 32,000 is very, very likely. And if we do reach those levels, that's when I would be identifying some purchasing levels, right? I'm not going to be buying this thing. Never grab a falling knife. Wait till it finds some support before you try to grab on. But uh, Johnny, I'm going to give you some quick comments. Then we'll close out the show with Gary. Yeah, no, I think at the end of the day, we're on the the cusp of preface of, of a changing dynamic world. We're seeing the financial system shifting. There are going to be choices people have to make. Where do they want to go forward? And, you know, I think what's exciting, at least about this space, at least for us, Gary, is we're all in it early. We get the front run. I you know, Like you and I were alive in 1994, 97, right? Abs and diapers. But we know what it's like to be able to get the opportunity to invest in something before all the big money comes into it. You don't typically get that opportunity. In this case, we actually do. We are in it. Before everybody else. And I feel the same way, like, you know, like, damn, I wish I had more Bitcoin. <laughs> you feel like it's never enough, you know, because we're here. One thing, we're not maximalist. I have a mixed bag. I got some altcoins, got some Bitcoin, a little bit of everything, because I because I understand the technologies and some of the real world solution solves. And so I want to be diversified in this space. But to me, it is super exciting to know that we are in it before the masses have gotten. And I'm not talking about the little people, because those are here, too. But you even said it. The big boys aren't even here. 20, 22 wealthy families, only seven are in it. right? And then all the other billionaires and millions that haven't come in yet because they were waiting for that stamp of approval, which we finally got a few weeks ago. And now it's just, I think, a matter of time, Abs, before we start to see the legitimization of this. And you know how I know what's happening? Because I'm when you read in our chat, all of a sudden people are saying that their friends and their family are asking them, hey, what's this Bitcoin thing and should I buy it? That is an early indicator. Yeah. We are in the cusp of something big that's coming, Gary. And I'm super excited for the future and what, what this whole industry has for it. My only fear is, I know on the other side, as we talked about earlier in the show, there are a bunch of big boys that are going to get their pie stolen and they ain't going to like it. And they got they have control and they're going to fight this thing. And we're going to have to see how that whole thing plays out at the end of the day. Because let's face it, who wants to lose their money? No, but if you're if you're king of the hill, you're gonna want to fight. If you're the champ, you're gonna you're not gonna go down without a swing. And I think that's what that's what we're gonna have to see here is how does this whole thing play out. But I think uh, at the end of the day, as Mark says, we've already won. It's just a matter of when we get there. Agreed. And Gary, can you do me a favor and just remind everybody where they can find your content, whether it's YouTube, Twitter? What are some of your social medias for people who want to follow you? 
Yeah, at uh, YouTube and Twitter, at Gary Cardone. Instagram, I've been banned because 50 people stole my identity, and and we blew that mother up, dude. And they were like, hey, nobody nobody gets this much traction organically. I'm like, I've never spent a penny on advertising. They wouldn't talk about So now I'm trying, and I think I've offended Mr. Zuckerberg uh, for being a parasite. And so maybe they're really slow playing the deal, but I will continue to be an honest Gary, and if they don't want me to advertise on their platform, then I won't. But uh, LinkedIn, I'm at LinkedIn, but YouTube's really the one I'm trying to uh, do. And, and we do a lot of spaces on finance and crypto and playing around with that. So it's really awesome to spend time with you guys and catch up. Um, you know, I hear what you're saying, Johnny. I, I, I agree, dude. We're early. Yeah. And, uh, it stuns me that we now have another opportunity to front run this thing. Um, and there is going to be a moment when these wealthy families come in. I think it's six months before the marketing really takes place. Mm. When this op- this op front running is done. Yes. It's done. And uh, don't bitch at me in three years that you had freedom, the opportunity for freedom, and you wouldn't spend 25 hours on crypto on Bitcoin. Okay. Like if you don't spend 25 hours, like you're, you're uh what's the word? You're a, uh, there's a word for being just a jack off. <laughs> but, An idiot. Uh, <laughs> no, no, it's called a dilettante, a dilettante, you know, <laughs> uh, you, you, but, but I don't know anybody. I offered somebody of 800 people last night, a thousand dollars. In fact, I'll offer a Bitcoin to anybody that does 25 hours on Bitcoin. 25 hours of study and you choose not to continue down the rabbit hole, invest some of your own money. I'll give you a Bitcoin. You can turn it into cash. You got to prove to me you did your 25 hours. Never met anybody that does 25 hours that doesn't do 26, 27 and 28. Right. There you go. Johnny Crypto, I want to thank remind you guys. Thank you so much, Gary. For We always appreciate you coming on. And luckily, we're going to get to see you in person this Friday. So I'm looking forward to that as well. Johnny, I just want to remind people this is sponsored by Merlin, the smartest way to track your crypto. And guys, having an exit plan is essential heading into this next bull market. We just spent the last two hours discussing all the positivity, all the price action we're going to experience. If you don't have a plan, you are riding blind. That's why you got to check out Merlin. The smartest way to track your crypto, it's 30 days, absolutely free. You go in here, you set your price targets, you create a plan for the bull market. That way you can profit during this next bull run. So, Johnny, any closing statements? And we'll say thank you to Gary. Just remember this, guys. The elites, they play the market on your emotions. Don't let your emotions get the best of you. Have an exit plan. Take some profits when, when it's right for you. And then you can always reinvest those in other assets that produce for you. So, with that said... We're excited about the future, Abs. It's bright. Gary, looking forward to Friday night. Can't wait to see you, buddy. We appreciate you. Thank you so much, Gary. And thank you, Johnny Crypto. We got 610 live listeners here. Show us some love. Smash that like button. A special thank you to Mark Yusko as well. We love you guys. We'll see you in 23 hours. And like we always say, Warriors, rise. Get your shit together, baby. Thank you for joining us. Let's go. Thank you, Gary. Thank you, guys.